the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to Going There, the crossroads where music and mental health meet. Presented by the Consequence Podcast Network and Sound Mind Live, today we are talking with Eric Elliott, better known as hip-hop artist and producer Eric the Architect. You may know Eric as a member of the Flatbush Zombies. Reviews have called their 2018 album Vacation in Hell streamlined and crisp, and that Eric's music and production on that album created a dynamic soundscape that pulses and twitches. And now Eric has a solo EP out called Future Proof, which is also getting great reviews, including one reviewer calling it a compact and genuine statement that is a perfect listen any day. Now, the idea of being future-proof is exactly what Eric and I spoke about in our conversation. I can't tell you how excited I was to talk about this concept with him. That's because on the Going There podcast, we have tough conversations to address important issues so that we can learn from each other, challenge the stigma of mental illness, and get the care we need. And one of the most important concepts that underlies a great deal of our mental health and well-being is how we understand and prepare for our future. Unfortunately, anticipation of negative events happening in the future is often a core feature of anxiety disorders such as panic disorder and generalized anxiety disorder and mood disorders such as major depressive disorder. Think of it this way. When we are anxious, we think something bad is going to happen. When we are depressed, we know something bad is going to happen. But both involve the notion that our future is just not that bright. And in our discussion, Eric makes the really important point that in so many areas of our life, we are always thinking about how we can plan for our future. Whether it's something personal like saving money for our future or something more global like addressing climate change to protect the future of the planet, we routinely consider, discuss, and make efforts to give ourselves the best chance for a bright future. But we don't tend to do that as much with our mental health. And Eric explains how he developed the idea of future-proofing and how he enacts this as a philosophy and practice in his life. So let's go there and listen to what Eric has to say. All right, Eric, welcome to Going There. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. All right, let's just get right into it. This concept of future-proofing is so fascinating to me. I think it's such a cool concept. But before I run away with my own thoughts about how cool it is, Let's just hear from the author himself. What does that mean? It means so many things, man. Um, the first thing was uh, when I would hear future proof a lot, people would say, 
if you buy a computer, uh, <laughs> you got to future-proof your computer, man. You know, buy a computer with like more RAM or a better hard drive space so that you can future-proof yourself. And I was always like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll get a new laptop and put the best stuff in it. And then when I thought about, especially during the, the, the lockdown, I was thinking about getting a new computer because I was at home so much, right? And I was just like, man, like we're future-proofing ourselves technology-wise, but are we doing that internally? And then it started to make me think about like, well, if I was a computer, <laughs> what parts would I need to upgrade within myself? And it's like, well, definitely the mental part, right? That was the initial thing. It's like, well, I want to future-proof myself to understand who I am and uh, to be okay with the decisions that I've made and where I am with my life and, you know, to have some type of like full circle revelation, especially after you pass 30 years old, things just start to like, <laughs> you got to sit and breathe sometimes, you know? And I was like, okay, well, there's that, but it doesn't just end there, you know? Um, just talking about ownership, you know, like um, all the things that you lease your whole life, you know, um, whether, you know, it's an apartment and, you know, I, I've lived in three or four different apartments before I moved to California, but once I purchased home, I started to understand how beneficial that was for me and my, uh, my future wife and my children. You know, when I, when all these things are happening, I'm like, well, that's future proofing myself because if something, if I decide to, if something, if life changes, at least I have ownership of, of what I, uh, have been working so hard for, you know, and then that also applies to your ideas, you know, um, whether it's like we said, a book or, uh, a logo or something that you feel really passionate about. It's like, you know, how do you copyright that? How do you trademark that? Um, what are the steps? All these things are kind of intimidating before you take a step in. Um, so I tried to create pillars that would help me realize what future proofing was to me. And then hopefully using music to broadcast that to the world, you know, that being music is so intoxicating, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's, eh, I'll bias as a bias, Music is the biggest art form. Um, so when you have music championing something that actually makes sense in real life, I think that it has antennas and, and infinite arms to like reach every person. It, it's the universal language, you know? So that's kind of how I came up with the concept, you know, just like reflecting on um, what was going on and, and how can I help myself and how can I help other people by future-proofing ourselves for the future. So one of the things that's very interesting about the concept of future-proofing is that by definition, it means that there's the very real possibility that negative things happen in the future. And a lot of mental health issues are based on the notion that we anticipate that bad things may happen or that we feel like they're definitely going to happen. And, you know, so one thing that maybe we can kind of even take a step back and talk about is in, in your experience, has the concept of a future been frightening? And, and if so, why? That's a great question. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, for many, for many reasons, yes. Um, and that's probably just because of like being raised in a neighborhood where, you know, I think statistically things are not in the favor of the people who live there. Um, 
you know, growing up in Brooklyn, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot different now, even though things are never like perfect. Growing up in Brooklyn in the nineties was probably, it, it was crazy. It was just like the amount of things that I've, I've, I've saw that, you know, I, I, it almost made you feel like, you know, not an eminent future, but just that, you know, if you don't start to change some of the things that you're like routines or, um, who you're around or some of your goals, you might end up like the people, you know, doing bad stuff, you know? So I think that that had a lot to do with my um, understanding of what the future was, you know, it was a bit skewed and I, I, I would often see in movies and TV, other people live lives where they didn't live in the fear that I've lived in, you know, but um, yeah, that had a hundred percent to do with growing up in the hood and seeing so much um, drugs and violence. It just seemed like, Oh, everybody, know somebody who's dealt drugs before or everybody. And I'm like, no, that that's just this region. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not, but if that's your reality, it's hard for you to understand that there is other options and, and ways to change that, you know? So unfortunately, yeah, like for a while, obviously now I feel a lot different about the future, but as a kid, I think that started to form and shape some of my opinions about the future and what it, what it would be like. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, is so interesting about what you're describing is when people talk about the concept of privilege, you know, one of the ways of understanding privilege is, do you believe that things in general are going to happen in a good way unless something very outside the box occurs? Or do you think things are going to happen in a bad way unless something outside the box occurs? And that fundamental premise, it, it can change the entire way that you view your life, at the very least, it changes your basic sense of just sitting calm security. You know, because if you're thinking like, well, as long as I just kind of keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing, things are okay for me. As opposed to if I just keep sitting and do the things that I'm supposed to be doing, things are not going to be okay for me. That That's an entirely different life. And it's an entirely different stress level. Totally. Um, I think, I think my standpoint is more like, uh, uh, hoping that things like I have a very optimistic outlook every day, you know? Um, and I don't think like, and I know a lot of my friends are kind of like this too. I'm going to be okay until I'm not, you know? And, uh, I don't do that. I, I, I think that internally, um, Every day I set out to complete a goal and a task, and that kind of makes me feel accomplished. Um, and if I don't set that for myself, I would probably often feel like I didn't accomplish anything. And maybe that's where that, like, oh man, I didn't do anything today. All I did was watch Netflix. Oh, like I didn't, um, you know, even if it's, you know, it's giving yourself small rewards so that if something does happen, you know, I don't think uh, pessimistically to say that something has to happen because that's just life. You know, I think of more of it like, well, if something happens, I need to be ready to react. You know, if something happens, then I know I have to, I have to know how to deal with it. If something happens, you know, and I don't, it doesn't um, torment my mind, you know, and I, I maybe as a very early creator, of course, I thought that, you know, um, uh, probably like when I first started going on tour and, and, and making music, watching people consume your music. You know, I initially started it to heal me and my friends because the music I thought we would listen to sucked at the time. You know, I was like, man, like these songs are not good. Like they don't mean anything to anybody. 
And once you start making music for your friends and that opens up to the world, you know, it starts to change your perspective of what that stuff means. And uh, you start to have more responsibility and weight, you know, and then you walk with that, especially with the people who listen to my music. They tell me a lot of truth about themselves and I wouldn't call it baggage. I would just call it um, like a therapy, you know, and they treat me like I'm their cousin or their big brother, you know, and they tell me really deep shit about themselves and I walk with it and then we walk with it together and then we let it go, you know, and I was kind of, you know, it, I don't even think I set out to do that intentionally. It's kind of how it became, you know, through the music. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I'll talk to people about when I work with them, and I'm kind of curious what you think of this approach and I don't use the term future proofing. Right. But, but now that I'm hearing you talk about it, it, it's kind of a lot of what we, what we try to, to help people develop. And what I basically say is like, look, you need to have two things. You need to have a purpose driven, proactive life plan. You know, something that you're basically like, look, my purpose, my sense of who I am, my authenticity is not something that's negotiable. It's not something that's on the table. I'm just going to try to implement that. I'm trying to know what it is and implement that every day of my life. And so, you know, then you just kind of see what the results are just in terms of like how you develop that plan, how you develop that sense of self. But, but that's non-negotiable. And then the second thing is, let me develop a reactive coping plan so that even if, you know, I'm doing everything that I want to do, you know, probably something will happen that will throw me off, that will be stressful, that will be disconcerting all the way to, you know, traumatizing and, and causing despair. And do I know what that is? And I feel like if people have those two things, you can't guarantee that everything's going to be happening because I don't think future proofing means guaranteeing that everything's going to be okay. It means that you're in the best position to affect the possible potential outcome. And does that, does that sound right to you? That couldn't be that was 100% right. <laughs> Yeah, it's like exactly what you said. It's like, you know, uh, it's it's being prepared. Being prepared is probably the closest thing to future proof. What it what at least what I wanted it to mean um, being prepared. It's not like uh, like when I referred to the computer thing, it was the same thing. It's kind of like, yeah, man, like the Internet is going to get bigger and, and faster and you're going to want cooler stuff and more games going to come out. Hey, your computer graphics card can't play this game. You know, you can think about it with computers, but why didn't we ever think that about ourselves? Well, if climate changing is happening, you know, well, damn, you know, if, if that's something that we can't control, that's Mother Nature, that's the environment, you know, we can do certain things to help stop the bleed of it. You know, we don't have to pollute so much. We can recycle, which is another part of future proving, one of the five pillars that I had, you know, to compost. Small things can help shape the future to what we should think it, you know, what it, it should be to us, you know? And I think that it's being prepared because it's almost, I, I, I compare it to a kid who's never like uh, fallen before. And the first time you fall as a kid, you scream so, oh my God, you get a little boo-boo on your elbow, you scrape your knee and your dad or your mom is like, hey man, like, it's okay, you're gonna fall, trust me. You're gonna fall many times. And it starts to create that like fear, like, man, I don't wanna fall anymore. Or athletes that really hurt themselves doing their like patented layup or dunk. It's like every time they go to do that move again, they're going to have hesitation, you know, because they know what it's like to, to feel that pain. You know, whether that's physical or emotional is something that I think that 
all people experience. And it's about how to deal with that when you know it's it's coming up again, you know? So that was well said, bro. Like that was spot on. No, I appreciate that. And, you know, one of the things I'm kind of curious about, because this example that you gave, which is getting that scrape, you know, it's something that's so ingrained if, you know, if people are fortunate enough to be in a supportive family environment. It's such an ingrained, almost archetypal experience. You know, you have this little, you get hurt and someone's there to tell you, you know, it'll be okay and this will happen in the future. And so like right there, like those are the two things you need. Like, hey, like it's going to happen. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not overwhelmed by it and it will be okay. So I can, I can have a certain amount of patience. But, but we don't tend to do that for emotional things in the same way, especially when people have anything beyond kind of a scrape. You know, when people are panicking or they're depressed or they struggle with addiction, it's, it's not as common that we take that as, hey, this, this happens to people and you will be okay. And here's all the examples of people who have been through it. We just don't seem to have that. And I'm kind of curious from your perspective, if, you know, just if you've ever been through stuff like that and, and how it played out for you, because, you know, even maybe before the concept of future proofing was something that, that you were aware of. Um, when I think, <laughs> as you were saying that, I was trying to think of something that was like, I just couldn't deal with it. And <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind was an ex-girlfriend, man. That's like, probably your first lesson as a young man, uh, a young lady, you know, you're, you're, you're in, in the dating world is just, that's your first real taste. You know, I'm sure that your mom and dad have said it's you too. Listen, it's, it's okay. Trust me, this is not, you're going to find someone better. And you're like, no, I, I want to be with this person. And, da, da, da. and you're like, maybe like 15, you know, maybe 16, 17, you know, and then maybe you break up and have a new girlfriend or a boyfriend, right? When I was a younger man, like early 20s, I think that I put a lot of value in my relationship and I sat, I sought out to fix things within myself with my partner. And that's when the things I started to realize, like, that's not good, man. Cause like her job is to not heal me, is to be, uh, it's complimentary to your life. The person has to, you know, I used to think you, you hear TV and movies and, sh- and songs and shit. They're like, you know, let me upgrade you and let me fix you and all this shit. You're broken. And it's just like, I don't think I should compromise so much about my life to be accepted by this other person. You know what I'm saying? And like, I feel like I was changing myself to make her happy. Meanwhile, I was damaging who I really am. And my self-identity was being lost because I was changing myself to fit in with what she wanted, you know? And that's when it first, damn, you know, why do we do that shit? You know, why can't it be the other way around and say, well, this is who I am. And I know I'm not being malicious or being wrong. Maybe this, maybe we don't need to be together, you know? And it doesn't have to be combative and screaming contests. It could just be that, you know, our paths are two different paths. And, but instead internally we beat ourselves up and, you know, I can admit I've never been broken up with ever. (laughs) So, I've never really felt that pain of like being dumped. Um, but I definitely have been the dumper and it, it, it's, it hurts just as bad, you know, to even have that awkward conversation, you know, you, uh, but it, it's, it's still after that, you still beat yourself up because now you feel that you hurt this person's feelings. But truthfully, you did what needs to be done because you need to kind of move on and heal both. That's how you really heal yourself is to get that separation. 
you know, to be honest. Yeah, I, I have to just uh, qualify what I'm about to say because I, I did just listen to Upgrade. There's a live version where, like, you know, Jay-Z comes out of, like, the the floor, and I, I really like. So I, I, I don't want to sound hypocritical by challenging the premise of the song right now because I was just listening to it. But that being said, the one of the things that you're talking about is the the dialectic between between acceptance and change you know the and and it's very difficult to know because as an example like when we're feeling that heartache or that depression or that panic or that urge to use if we're in the throes of addiction and and someone's trying to help us if they don't validate and kind of accept where we are that doesn't work anymore you know like before we can get to the change we got to get to the place where Okay, I, you you get where I'm at. Okay, I trust you now, right? And that's and that's almost the same thing in a relationship because it's like, listen, like I before we get to the point where you're trying to change me, we're trying to upgrade me. Do you dig me on a, on a fundamental level? Like, is 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 am I your kind of person? Because if that's not there, what it means to upgrade is an entirely different thing. And that does not feel good. And that's what happens a lot of times with mental health issues is that we need, we need to know that that person, or maybe even ourselves, we need to know that we get ourselves first. We need to know that other person that we're dealing with gets us or else it's, it's just gone. You know, it doesn't help. Yeah, totally. That's like, that's, I think that, um, especially now, it, you know, it, it could, just to touch it on a tiny bit is toxic masculinity a little bit, a little bit. That has something to do with it in a way because it's like, well, man, I can't tell my bro I love him. Uh, hey, hey, don't don't say you love me, man. I don't want to hear that. Don't be emo. Don't be emotional, bro. Don't, I don't hug people. I don't smile in pictures. I don't. It's like who created all these like things that make us. Th- that's the reason why. And I, I mean, I don't know the ratio of mental health. Um, between men and women or whatever, but I will, you know, as a man, I can't speak for the men that I know that suffer from, you know, issues. Um, a lot of it stems from not feeling wanted. So it, it, it's what you're saying. It's kind of like, you know, you, you're not in a place to fix yourself. So you seek guidance from someone else and then you're not receiving what you need in order to feel better. So you use, or you go, you turn to addiction. And by that time, I can't help you. You know, I, I wish that you would have come to me in a more vulnerable state and now you're high or now you're severely depressed. And it's like, even no matter what I say to you at this point, it's still like, yeah, yeah, whatever, man. And it's like, man, why didn't you, Oh, I don't want to bother you. That's not what guys do. You know, I, I was dealing with it on my own. And it's just like, bro, there's no man or woman way to deal with it. Just, just come to me, you know, send a text, send a, a anything, you know? And I think that that should be, I, I feel that it's improving more, especially now since I was a kid, I didn't even know what toxic masculinity was. That wasn't even, all these things were like meathead things. Like, Oh, like I work out. I don't, you know, uh, you know, I don't need somebody to tell me what to do. I, I, I don't want to go to therapists. That's for crazy people and shit like that. I will say in 2021, that's different to go, you know, the Sopranos, when I see the Sopranos, man, Tony Soprano is the best, you know, 
he the 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 whole TV show was rooted on us cheering for a bad guy, you know. And as spectators, we watched Tony like do terrible, terrible things, but we all felt him. Why? Because he had a therapist, you know, because he saw that he even if he didn't allow himself to always be comfortable by the time he started to. The therapist, he had like a thing for his therapist and it shows you it's like, wow, man, like even the most uh, gangster guys need somebody to talk to, you know, and I I seen that show way later in my life. But it it did teach me a lot about, um, you know, reflection and and that these things are okay to do because they need to be done, bro. Like, I I think that it's, it's too many people that rely on like exterior things that we can't control to define who we are. It, 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 it I, I've dealt with that in my life. Um, like I said, once I turned like 30, losing my mom really changed my whole perspective of what was important to me and the things I spent my time on, you know, because before then it's like, I don't want people to have to experience something so traumatic to learn that lesson. You should listen to your forefathers, your ancestors, your, your grandmas, and anybody that's been through stuff when your parents tell you, yo, it's when you get older, that shit is not going to matter, man. Them Jordans is not really going to be as cool as when you were 15, man. Or, you know, if, if you do have a kid, you get someone pregnant, man, like it's going to change your life. And you hear that, you're like, ah, whatever, man. Like you just, you're old. What do you, what do you know? You don't know what, what kids are doing. And they're like, bro, I was you, I was you. So, um, in, in um, my song selfish, I said, uh, on future proof, I said, you know, things have changed when you get older. And I was talking about my mom telling me that, you know, telling me that the friends you hang out with in high school, you have 50 friends in high school, 100 friends. You're probably going to have three friends when you go to college. And I'm like, come on, man. She was right. I don't it's not on purpose. It's just the way that life kind of pans out. And, you know, I'm grateful to have someone to tell me those things. And I heeded and listened to it because without that, I probably would be just totally lost, you know. Yeah, you know, you're talking about toxic masculinity, and it's interesting the, you know, what it is to be toxic. And and one of the things I find is that there's two pieces to it. And we can use toxic masculinity as an example, but I, I think it applies for anything that's toxic, particularly in relationships. You know, one is that you have to be a certain way. Right. So, you know, if, if there's a guy who's out there who's like, well, you know, I go to the gym and and that's my therapy, and that's me, and you could be you. Well, that, that's not necessarily a toxic situation. That's just a, that's one model of how to live a life. But if you say, and because I work out instead of going to therapy, you're not a man. If you go to therapy, that's problem number one. Then problem number two is if what you're doing is actually not helpful. So as an example, like we know from study after study that suppressing or avoiding or denying your emotions or your thoughts is just like a boomerang that comes to hit you right in the head. You know, so so in toxic masculinity, it's like, well, you have to be this way. And that's one example of where it's just literally the opposite of how you're supposed to be. So it's like, oh, you know, I'm on my own. I don't care about anybody and I don't need anyone to care about me. I guess that's fine if that's how you want to live your life. But percentage-wise, that's not, that's, that's, that's not a high percentage shot. And so the problem with toxic masculinity is that you've got both of those things, you got to be this way. And the things are just unfortunately wrong. And when you get stuck in that cycle, the problem is, is that you can't break out of it enough to test that it's wrong. 
You know, because if you think like, oh, you know, the only thing about the, that's being a guy is is being kind of like a lone wolf. And well, you, you're never going to test out whether connecting people or, or expressing your feelings or going to therapy is going to matter, which is you bring up The Sopranos. I think that's one of the reasons why people connected to the show, because like you said, this was someone, you know, we, we could argue how successful he was, but in some ways it was his journey of trying to, trying. I mean, just just let's end it at trying. And the fact that he was trying for whatever selfish, sociopathic or narcissistic reason, he was trying. And, and that's something that I think is very compelling. And that takes it out of being toxic. If you're just trying something different and you don't find yourself caged by those same uh, uniform principles. Well said, well said. The trying, the trying is probably the opposite of toxic, toxic masculinity is trying. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of, well, this is the way shit is. And that's what you got to do. Uh, I also, when I blame, when I put blame on people, you know, I try not to blame individuals for anything, but sometimes I do. And I, I say, well, when you look at a man or you look at a, a woman, let's see their parents, you know, what, what values did their parents instill in them? And a lot of times, if your parents didn't raise you to learn these values um, or you watched how your parents communicated with each other growing up, that shit shapes you, man. As much as people want to say that you can change your narrative, it's really hard to, it's so difficult because, you know, you said, well, it worked for my dad. And that's a lot, that's enough for a lot of people, man. It really is like, but you got to think, and this is the part that sucks. It's like, you got to think, well, wasn't my dad right all the time? damn, I don't want to think my, my dad is my hero. He made me like, how oh, was my mom always right? Oh shit. Like, well, think about them and think about their, think about your grandma and grand and, and grandpa. Like, were they always right? You know, um, when I have a child, am I going to always be right? You know, and those kind of things help balance that feeling of feeling like, well, shit, this is the only option I have. And that's not true. It's, it's, especially now, man, there's so many ways to deal with. I used to be, I'm a hundred percent guilty of yoga i don't want to do no damn yoga i don't want to meditate i don't want to do that shit man i mean what what, what is that going to do for me that can't do i'm the number one you telling me in when i was a kid people were not doing this shit man people were not talking about having like aa meetings and group meetings and let's talk about it it was just like yo like i'm dealing with some shit that's why you didn't hear from me for six months and there was no internet no social media so there was no like I'm with, you know, I have at least a distant friend or somebody who I can text or call. It was just like your immediate, it was your family. It was your community. It was the people in your neighborhood, you know, as much as I shit on social media on a daily basis, you know, to me and my friends, what it does give you in a sense is that you're never really alone. And that, that sense of loneliness is, 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 is what's harmful. You know, it's because you feel like you're the only person that has these thoughts and feelings. And then you do a post about it. And somebody's like, bro, I, that happened to me this morning, man, you know, um, and, you know, it, I've never done that to, I've never seek for guidance on the internet. Like if I post a picture or something, I don't really value myself to say, well, this is what I'm worth based on how much likes or retweets, but I do, I, I can say that it is nice that people actually look into something that I care about. I'm not going to say that it, 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 it creates the value of how I feel about it though. And I think that Unfortunately, a lot of people do that, especially artists, you know, oh man, it didn't really hit on Instagram or IG that way. So it can't be that good. I, I, I man, I messed up. Like, you didn't mess up. Like look at any pioneer of music, art, all over the, come on, man. 
Outcast, one of my favorite groups of all time. Outcast is bar none, probably the most creative duo in music, in, in hip hop music, you know, and let's open an umbrella and say within music. And they were polar opposites. They were so different. And people wanted to put them and say that they're the same. And it's like, man, Andre became uh, celibate and he became vegan and shit. And big boys like, man, you're changing who you are and what happened to the way we used to be. But these were like people that can show you that you can coexist regardless. You know, he wore Andre wore pink minks, you know, like pink guns. You know, big boy had his mink. His wasn't pink. His was maybe brown, you know, maybe had some cool stunner shades on, you know, it showed you, well, you don't have to fit into a mold to be accepted. You know, you can create the mold, you know? It's, you know, it's interesting that you're, that you're saying that because it's, it's again, like going back to the whole privilege concept, it's like, you know, what would it be like to be in a situation where if you wake up and you, you know, you're thinking or feeling something different from the people around you, that's an exciting moment. It's like, oh, I got, I got something I want to share with people you know, maybe they didn't think about. And people were into that because there wasn't that toxicity. You know, there wasn't that like, well, you have to do things a certain way. It's like, since you don't have to do things a certain way, and since not everybody knows the best way, another another option is is great. You know, man, I want, I want to hear it. You know, then all of a sudden, whatever it is that you're thinking isn't, isn't just like heaped upon suppression and avoidance and denial and shame that comes from that. And, you know, while we're talking about both like great shows we go to Dexter and you talk about members of great duos. You know, I'm thinking about most deaf as brother Sam in Dexter, which I, I don't know. I don't know if people have seen that. So I don't want to give away too much of it if you haven't, but he, he has this great quote in it where he's talking about, and I'm not sure if I'm getting the quote exactly right, but he's like, you know, if there's darkness, you just need a little bit of light in there to no longer have it be dark. Just a little bit. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be flooded with light. And that can be the whole difference sometimes. And it's like, you know, what you're talking about, just that little bit, you know, the, the, the darkness, if you will, is that, that toxic, in this case, toxic masculinity, where it's like, there's no, no daylight coming in here. And this is the way you have to do it. And if it doesn't work for you, you're weak and you should be ashamed. And just that little light that like, oh, maybe, you know, I, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm curious about it rather than just slamming it down. It's like, that's, again, like you talk about, you know, talk about Andre, you know, he's, he's, he became all these things, but he became Jimi Hendrix on, on the screen. You know what I mean? Like, there's like total, there's like, you know, the number of, of, of transformations that we've witnessed publicly from someone. And, and you know, God, God forbid somebody told him, hey, you got to be a certain way. I mean, like, how much would everybody have lost out if that was the case? Dude, that's like the story for so many people. Like, thank God, like, oh man, like from David Bowie to, Elton John, like these people, like these are guys like that influenced me and I'm not British. You know, I'm a black dude with dreads from Brooklyn, New York, man. Like we shouldn't, I shouldn't have this much in common with you on paper, but I do. And it's funny how, like when you said the thing about the small amount of hope, it, it that's all, it, I know it's so cliche because you hear it in Aesop's fables and shit like that, but like, man, all you really know, all like jealousy, right? The word jealousy. I can sit here and tell you, like, I've never really been jealous of someone. And why is because, well, you let me know it's possible. So why should I envy you? Why should I feel threatened by you? I'm grateful for you because you showed me it was possible. Thank God for you because I didn't know that you could do this shit. 
I didn't know you can be an entrepreneur. I didn't know you can wear sequin jackets. I didn't know you could do that shit. Thank you. But then some people, you know, oh, well, you know, it's how you led your success. Because we put success in tropes. We put success in things that are not tangible. We put, like we said earlier, there's success in, in, in a can, in a jar. And there's a certain thing it's supposed to look like. It's supposed to be a certain color. It's supposed to be a certain size, you know. It's like having a child, you know. I'm not going to nitpick and choose the characteristics of my child that I want. It's my child. I'm going to love my child regardless of what shape or color they are. And that's how you should feel about your stuff. You shouldn't feel like, man, like, I wish I had a... a kid with longer hair who the hell would say comes shit like this it just is weird to me and maybe you know um <laughs> it's not exactly on topic but because you said a small light it made me think of like lyrics of songs um and even in the negative sense um i was listening to um i listened to biggie yesterday and um this song last day featuring the locks and style says even the smallest gun has a little black hole and like, as a kid, when I heard that, I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, and of course he's saying it in a more intimidating way, but what it really means is that the, the mechanics of this weapon doesn't matter how big or small it is, it does damage. It has, has the ability to shoot. It has the ability to project bullets and hurt people. It doesn't matter how big or small the gun is, you know? And I, I, I when I looked at that in a bigger sense, I think about us as people like, we all have a mouth. We all have a brain. We all have a heart. We all have legs and we all equipped with the same pieces. So I should never feel that I don't have enough to do what I, to, to be me or to, to express myself. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm really grateful that I was able to really have music and have these forefathers create, you know, foundation for me to follow. Because like you said, without that, without the small sense of hope, without the example I would feel like I'm by myself and I would feel like, well, why am I even doing this, man? Cause I'd be the first of my kind, you know, I, I, I love art too, you know, Basquiat and, and, and Jeff Koons and from photographers and Andy Leibovitz and David LaChapelle, like all these people were unprecedented in the sense that they created a style that you sought after whether, and I love Picasso too, you know? So it's interesting that they all experienced some form of extended maybe slight depression and through the mute through the art form when you look at what they've done you say wow man like this person never stopped grading they never let the thing that was tormenting their mind stop them from being a creative and through it we still have examples and we still have the chronology of their life to say wow man like even when you're going through shit don't put down the pen don't stop doing your podcast don't stop heal people because through that you might find the answer you know and i'm grateful for that bro like that's <laughs> that's everything honestly th this has been fantastic man talking with you i appreciate you coming on this has totally got me churning i'm totally going to be thinking about this afterwards <laughs> and so i very much appreciate it likewise man dog, it's been great man like you know i think uh what we were saying before like there's not enough open forums where you can talk about shit like this um yeah. Especially for rappers, they need to get more rappers uh, talking about kind of some of their, uh, you know, not exactly how, you know, like a lot of times people will dissect the song. But I think that your whole catalog of music is derived of your feelings. So maybe let's talk about our feelings a little bit more so we figure out 
what's really going on, you know? Absolutely, man. Listen, best of, best of luck with everything. This is fantastic. It's fantastic Thank you, stuff. Man. I look forward to hearing more about Future Proofing for sure. Thank you, man. Yeah, the, the album's uh, going to be here soon. So hopefully uh, within the next couple of months, it'll be ready, ready for consumption. So there it is. Eric, the architect, talking about how we can make our lives and particularly our mental health future-proof. There's so much to take away from the discussion with Eric. One of the things that he and I talk about is the idea of what it means to be toxic, and particularly the concept of toxic masculinity. And he brought up such an important point. When we are looking for strong, healthy, and supportive relationships, it is critical that the person accepts us as who we are first, then within the context of accepting us, seeks to help us improve. Without that initial acceptance, the relationship can quickly feel toxic. And toxic relationships often involve not only someone having a very narrow path of what's acceptable in terms of who we are and what we do, but also that path not necessarily being very healthy for us. A big part of being future-proof is not being toxic towards ourselves or others and trying to build a supportive and embracing community around us. I want to thank Consequence Podcast Network and Sound Mind Live for including me in this wonderful project. And thanks to Pete Wilson and the Rooks for letting us use their song, I Know. If you are struggling with anxiety, depression, or addiction and are looking for help, please call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration National Helpline at 1-800-622-4357. If you're thinking about harming yourself and want to seek help, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at one 800 273-8255. You may also go to the Sound Mind Live and Consequence of Sound websites for more information. So be healthy, be safe, and be kind to yourself and others. See you next time at the crossroads. Consequence Podcast Network.